everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. While I was doing research for this series, this is so classic, I got up at like four o'clock and I printed some stuff the night before on my printer. So I'm just sitting there, it's kind of a dimly lit room studying, and I thought, oh yeah, I need to get that research from Worldview. As I'm walking to the printer, it was only like five steps away, I could see the carpet and everything, but I didn't notice there were like three or four landmines that our dog had left little little presents, you know, little landmines. I didn't see it. So I took the step and I'm like, something is weird in between my toes. And I did that at the same time I was taking the research out of the printer on Worldview. Clean myself up, stunk up the whole place, you can imagine. So I'm sitting there, finally, I'm back to studying, and the Holy Spirit whispered to me, Ed, tell people that. Because when it comes to worldview, a lot of us, if we were honest, are stepping in it. There are a lot of landmines, there are a lot of landmines out there that we don't see. We're just not really looking. And we have blind spots, blind spots. I'll never forget the first time I realized I needed prescription glasses. It was kind of a, kind of a wake-up call. Went to the doctor, oh, Ed, you need glasses. Gave me my prescription, and I moved from glasses to contacts, and then a friend of mine who's an eye surgeon did the Lasix on me, and You know, when you put those glasses on for the first time, some of you know what I'm talking about, everything just is so bold and crisp. That's sort of like a worldview. We we put these prescriptive lenses on, the lenses of the Lord, you know, the, the, the gospel of God, the glasses, you could say, of God's gospel. Everything is clear, and then we begin to see things in a correct fashion. If you're new here, you're going, what's this guy talking about? Well, I'm talking about worldview. Everybody has a worldview. Most of us don't even realize we have one. I mean, I don't think about my worldview enough, but I have one. A worldview is just a comprehensive, panoramic perspective of life. Jesus said in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is our worldview. Jesus is our worldview. If you boil it all down, there are basically two worldviews, and I've, I've listed those behind me. You've got the, the secular worldview, which is a worldview where man is at the center, and we can see that if we start here, just our culture, what's happening, you see the truth in this column is tenuous, it's not absolute, it's not transcendent, the emotions are 
foundational in this worldview. It's almost like a emotional worldview. That's, that, that's sort of how you could, you could uh, 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 describe it. And then of course, the behavior is to glorify self. It's about me because if I'm on the throne of my life, if I'm sitting in the Oval Office of my life, then it's about me, what makes me look good, what gives me pleasure, and me, 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 and my goal is happiness. We have to understand there are a lot of smart people, a lot of brilliant people who live in this column. That's how they roll. It's a naturalistic, materialistic view of life. I would argue that it takes faith a lot of faith to live in this column. Are you with me? Faith. Again, let me say, brilliant people, I know some, believe in evolution. They believe that we just sort of showed up, that we're products of some bioptic soup, we're amped up algae, We're just one click above our dog who left the landmine (laughs) right in front of my computer. There's some smart people who believe that. There's no way you can prove there is no God. If someone ever says, I know that there's no God, you can't make that statement. For you to make that statement, you would have to have a grasp of everything from the beginning of time until now and even more so. So you really can't make that statement. You can say, to the best of my knowledge, I don't believe there's a God. You can say that. And a lot of good people say that. On the other hand, we have another worldview. This is sort of how we do life. That's a God-centric, biblically-based worldview. That too takes faith. And when I say faith, I'm not talking about blind faith, but I am talking about faith. The Bible says the just shall live by faith. We have biblical thoughts. We take every thought and make it and take it captive. We believe in this column that truth is transcendent. In other words, truth is outside of us. Man does not set the rules and the laws. God does. God's in charge. God made everything. So it's transcendent, a byproduct of of thought, truth, and emotion that's both biblical, transcendent, is the proper amount of, of, of feelings and the right emotions that emerge from truth. And our behavior, of course, is to glorify God, which means to reflect him in everything we do say, touch and feel, to make his name great. And finally, the results, they're not happiness. No, no, they're not happiness-driven. Holiness, and the word holiness comes from a word that means wholeness. We're set apart. That's what God has in store for all of our lives. Does that make sense? Just, Just nod your head. It takes faith in both columns, faith, huh? Well, I have these thoughts and I put the thoughts through the filter of truth, emotion, behavior, and results and that's just how I roll. 
The Bible says in the book of Romans, Romans chapter 12, it says in verse one, I urge you brothers and sisters in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. It sounds to me like a God-driven worldview, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Don't conform to the pattern of this secular worldview, you could say, but be transformed by the renewing of your what? What? Mind. Then you'll be able to test, I love this, and approve, because that's what a worldview does. We're gonna see this today. What God's will is. I always call it his GPP. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. That's what the Bible tells us. The Bible says there is a wonderful worldview out there. God has in store for every single person here. He's made us as human beings, and we think we're made in his image. We can choose. We can have rational thought. God wants us to go through all of these exercises. He does not want us to check our brains at the door like, like we check, I don't know, our coat at some restaurant if it's really cold outside. He wants us to think. The Bible can stand up to our scrutiny. As we look in this column, we know that God has revealed himself to us through general revelation. General revelation, and if I misspell a word, please just just say, man, he's ADD, he is learning issues, you know, and processing problems, because I do, but I have decent handwriting. That's about it. Is that how you spell general? Ooh, I, I get nervous every time. I have a little marker and I have to write. General revelation. That's basically, it does not take a rocket science to figure out, whoa. So I guess if there's matter, then someone had to create and design matter. Hmm, God's general revelation. Just look around at this awesome planet, the beauty, the intricacies. It's mind-blowing. And science unpacks a lot of this for us. It's just like, God is that awesome general revelation. Another way God reveals himself to us is special Revelation. Is that, that spell special right? Ooh, special revelation. That is through his revealed word, the word of God, the Bible. The Bible is the most trustworthy, ancient piece of literature ever. Take, for example, Homer's Iliad, which is the most documented ancient piece of literature next to the Bible. There are some 643 manuscripts of Homer's Iliad. It's pretty good, Homer. Homer's my father's first name. You know, I'm Edwin Barry Young, and thankfully dad did not want to tag me with Homer. So he just named me Edwin Barry Young. Thanks, dad. Homer? Oh my goodness gracious. So, Homer's Iliad, 643 ancient copies. The New Testament, the New Testament alone, 
5,300 copies. So the Bible we have today is like 95% of what it was back in the day. The New Testament, for example, a lot of the books were written like 25 years after the book of Revelation was done. So the Bible is historically accurate. It is supernatural. It was written over a span of 1,500 years by 40 different authors on three different continents using three different languages. The Bible, the B-I-B-L-E, basic instructions for leaving earth. Is that right? <laughs> Have you heard that before? Let me see, basic instructions. Before, before I'm saying, see, yeah, how, how do you say it? Basic instructions before leaving earth. I didn't make that up, it's old. I don't, know, I, don't, I don't know where it came from, but somewhere in my mind. But we have the general revelation, we have the special revelation of God. The biblical worldview, let me argue it again, is the most logical worldview there is. If you take a step back, a panoramic view, and go, okay, I'm gonna compare this to that, in my opinion, and in many other people's opinion, this blows that out of the water because this answers these questions. The origin question. How did we get here? Well, of course, God created us. It answers the problem. P-R-O-B-L-E-M. The problem that we deal with, evil. When I was... Uh, flying out of Washington, D.C. a couple of days ago. I, have, I, have posted, I had a cool thing happen. I, I got invited to the White House, Lisa and I did, and I'd never been before and as a special guest and everything, and it was, it, was really, it was really fun. And it's amazing, I just posted in all the hate you get just for saying that. Huh, that's a whole other message. Anyway, <laughs> so we had to fly back. So we were booked on an American Airlines flight, show up early to the gate, you know, and I saw my friend that I've known for like 27 years, Herschel Walker, you know, the Heisman Trophy winner, all pro, and Herschel and I have known each other for a long time, we played basketball together, blah, 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 blah. So we're talking and, you know, whatever, and he asked me a question, he goes, Ed, I'm, I'm getting ready to, to, to do something, and he named this entertainer that everyone in here would know, he said, where do you think he is spiritually? I want your advice. I go, Herschel, what you're asking me is a world view question. Isn't that amazing? I said, I don't know this A-lister personally, but I know some people that know him and I'll get back to you. He goes, I would really, really appreciate that. We board the plane. We're sitting there, Herschel is sitting in front of us with his wife, his son is over here to the right. We sit on the tarmac, hour after hour after hour. It's my record, three hours on the tarmac. And while we were sitting there, Herschel's wife, Julie, between the seats, she goes, Ed, Lisa, do you mind if I ask you a question? And people ask me questions a lot. And I thought about this. You know the number one question people ask me? What should I do? Really, over 30 years talking to a kaleidoscopic range of people, 
Whether it's Herschel Walker or a guy that's playing junior high football and he's on the third string, what should I do? That's the question. Have you ever, have you ever Googled what should I do? I did this morning. I got up real early at 4 a.m. 4.7 billion results. What should I do? Anyway, his wife goes, man, Herschel is getting so much hate because of his speech he gave you know, a couple of days ago. He said, are people insane or what? I mean, what should we do about it? I said, Julie, that's a worldview issue that you're talking about. The majority of people do not have, and I went through this, a God-driven worldview. So right now, are you that way? I bet you are. What should I do? I know some of you are going like, man, with this situation economically, Ed, what should I do? I got laid off, what should I do? I'm thinking about popping the question to her, what should I do? I'm considering changing jobs, what should I do? What should I do? What should I do? I'll tell you what you should do. Do God's world view. Take your thoughts and allow the filter to work. I saw this thing a couple weeks ago called the life straw. Have you seen one of these things? If you're some big adventure, some outdoorsman, you carry a life straw with you. And if you ever run out of water, you can put the straw in any kind of water. And when you suck in, it filters the water and it's almost like pure. I mean, you can drink it. What I'm talking about is a life straw. And what I'm talking about is the living water who is Jesus Christ, our Lord. You can go back and get into all of these uh, panels that I talked about, the five panels, thought, truth, emotion, behavior, results. I've exhausted those for the most part. I want to end today with getting practical about decision-making, okay? Because I know I've been throwing out a lot of numbers, but we make an average of 35,000 decisions a day. Some are good, some are bad. They all have consequences. So I thought we would just kind of talk about that against the backdrop of a worldview. So what I'm gonna talk to you and share with you about encompasses and encapsulates all of these things. So the first thing you wanna ask yourself, especially students, listen to me. Here's the first question. Will it build me up? I'm getting ready to do something, whatever it is, you're thinking about A, B, or C, whatever you're doing, will it build me up? So what do you do when you have a question? You say, well, what does God's word say? What does the revealed word of God tell me? Will it build me up? 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23. All things are lawful for me, Paul writes, but not all things are helpful. All things are lawful for me, but not all things edify. The word edify means to build a house. I'm thinking about doing something. I've had this thought, and now I funnel it through the truth. Is it going to build me up? That's a basic question. If it doesn't, your conscience will say, 
Don't do it. Because you have your mind, and the mind gives your conscience the horsepower to behave. Will it build me up? Whatever it is, fill in the blank. Second question. Will it slow me down? The Bible talks about the Christian life being a race. And a lot of you people, you know, have done like marathons or, you know, 5Ks or whatever. You enter the race with the first step. The first step of the Christian life is, is receiving Christ into your life. So as you run the race, you don't want to slow yourself down. But I thought this was so interesting in this text before. I'd never seen it before. And I've preached on Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, about a squillion times. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Notice the difference between weight and sin. Sin is not weight and weight is not sin. And when I've preached this before, I think I've combined the two, but I read this week as I studied the original language, weight has to do with bulk, bulk. It has to do with misplaced priorities and amusements. Sometimes we can chase things and we're free to chase things, but these things can incarcerate us. They can, they can lock us up. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 16, it says, live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Do you know what the Urban Dictionary says about your conscience and mine? It's the evil part of the brain that warns us. Hmm. That's what the Urban Dictionary calls it. So everybody has a conscience. And God has stamped his spirit on every conscience. That's why you look at all people groups around the world, from the beginning of time, they all have this moral vibe to them. And you see, we can use the freedom we have in Christ as a cloak or an excuse for sin. Well, let me do one more. The last one will be, the question would be, will it impact others? I remember one time, oh, it was years ago, I went to a bowling alley with my family for one of the kids' birthdays. And this manager, I thought, was uh, rude and short, and I got in the guy's face. I mean, I, I did. I shouldn't have done it. I should not have done it. And after it happened, my conscience said, Ed, you just ruined your witness by how you reacted to that guy. And I later found out he knew that I was a pastor of fellowship, et cetera, et cetera. Mm. I regret that. But let me tell you something good. Kind of a, but here's a good one. One time someone gave me tickets to a professional basketball game and I had the seats like on the third row. You know, these seats that are just transcendently expensive, just so expensive. It's like, you're paying that for it. A basketball game? Anyway, I was sitting there at this game, sitting there with a friend of mine, and we're watching. There's a timeout, and then the dancing girls, you know, come on the court. 
And I've seen more cotton in an aspirin bottle than what they had on. Anyway. I mean, all you could see, I'm just going to be frank here, were breasts and buttockses. Well, I just turned away. I just looked at my friend and started talking to him. After the game I was leaving, a guy from Fellowship Church came up to me. He said, I want to tell you something. You know, I, I, I always wondered if you really lived the life. But when those girls came out, I wanted to see if you were going to check them out. And you didn't. Boom. Influence. Now, I'm not saying I'm perfect every time and stuff like that. No. We all deal with greed and anger and lust. I know that. I'm just saying to you, that is the power. That's the power of the example. So whatever you do, whatever I do, we should do it for the glory of God. The origin, creation. The problem, sin. The fix, redemption. We're saved, we're rescued. We live forever. And this side over here, the candle is snuffed out and it's just over. But see, we'll all know who's right a nanosecond after we die. We'll know, we'll know, we'll know. But I'm telling you, I'm arguing God's case. And I pray by faith that you live out this wonderful, amazing, earth-shattering, life-altering world view. listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless.